morning. Have you ever experienced a life-changing event? Something that someone has told you about that is going to change your life as you know it. Now, my in-laws, they, they've been up in New Hampshire, not New Hampshire, Vermont, up in the Northeast, and, and they have uh, retired in the last year, and they are living this life where they got themselves a camper, and they're going to go off and do some fun things. And as they were gone, I discovered something called boondocking. Has anyone ever heard of boondocking? So if you ever go to Walmart late at night and you see these trailers, they're all out at Walmart. Uh, those trailers are boondocking. They're staying at Walmart for free and Walmart allows that to happen. Well, there's this whole lifestyle, this boondocking lifestyle. And there's a, there's a, uh, there's an app that you can get on your phone that allow that where people will say, you can stay at my place. You can boondock at my place for free. And you just go and you look for places and you can hook your trailer up and they, they'll tell you if they, if they can give you water or, or electricity, whatever. And you just go down these dark roads into these people's house in the middle of the night and, and, uh, you stay for free. And I, they came home and I said, Hey, look at what I found for you. And surprisingly, they didn't seem as interested in this life-changing thing that I gave them that they could have stayed for free. And I'm not trying to just get them out of the neighborhood for, for a little bit. I, I'm trying to change their life. But nothing, nothing. They didn't care. They didn't change their life. Last week, we came to the absolute climax of what I would say everything since the beginning of God creating the world. The disciples saw their Savior, their Lord, their teacher, risen from the dead. They saw a man that was brutally murdered defeat death. And he came and he showed them, and he showed them the scars in his hands and his feet, and he showed them that he was able to defeat death and that they too could, could defeat death when they put their faith in him. We read things uh, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 44, where it's prophecy from Hosea, and it says, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? There's no more fear of death because through Christ Jesus, we can overcome death. And Jesus, as he's looking at them, he's looking at his disciples that were, that were huddled in this locked room. In John chapter 20, verse 21, it says, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them of their sins, their sins are not forgiven. He has come in here and he has not just shown that he was risen, not just shown that he that he uh that, that he is giving them the ability to be forgiven of all the wrongs that they've done so that they can live eternal life with him he's giving them a commission right matthew gives his great commission and jesus is commissioning his disciples and saying you can go out and you can tell the world they can find forgiveness of their sins you can tell the world that they can find eternal life in me you can tell the world that it's only through me that they're going to find this, in, this eternal life. 
Jesus is giving them this life-changing thing. And what's their response? What's their response to this life-changing event? You know, a lot of the Gospels, they'll kind of end it right, right at, the, at the end of Jesus is resurrected. And there's nothing more to add. It's, it's, it's an incredible ending. And if you are a, uh, a watcher of romantic comedies like my wife is and like I get uh, suckered into to, to come and watch with her, you'll see sometimes in the romantic comedy that, that, that the guy and the girl, they've kind of just been chasing each other at odds or whatever. And finally they come to an end and the movie ends and you just assume that they make it in the end and they get married or he's going to propose or whatever the case and they live happily ever after. And so sometimes, if you're like me, you want a little bit more to the story. So what exactly happens? And the neat thing with the book of John is John is such a good writer. Not only does John uh, give this incredible prologue in the beginning where it talks about how Jesus was with God and, and God came down from heaven to this earth to dwell among his people to show them the light, to, to, to have them get out of the darkness that they're living in, John gives us an epilogue. Something that kind of ties up some loose ends in the end. And so Jesus has just given this commission to his disciples. He's shown them, he's talked to Thomas, who Thomas says, I, I'm not going to believe it unless I put my hands in the nail scars of his hands and put my hands in his side. And Jesus tells them in verse 29 of John chapter 20, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet still believe. They've believed, they're blessed. And so what do they do? What's the next part? Are they going off into the, into the countryside? Are they going back home? And, and are, are, they, are they on fire for God? Are they ready to tell everyone what they've been doing over the past three years with this, with this incredible teacher? Are they ready to tell people, we just saw a man be brutally killed and then raised from the dead? All those things that you've heard about this man making miracles is actually God come in human flesh. Are they going out and telling this great story? No. In John chapter 21, and that's where we'll be today, it says they get up and they go fishing. He's given them this great commission, but they've just gone fishing. In John chapter 21, verse 2, it says Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, the twin, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, the two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, got in the boat. But that night they caught nothing. I've seen this incredible thing. And I'm going to go out and go fishing. Jesus has given this, them this commission, but I'm just going to go out and go fishing. And how often can we identify with this? 
Maybe we've come to church. Maybe we've heard the message of a risen Savior. And then what do we do? We go home. We turn on the TV. Maybe we do some online shopping. Maybe we go work in the yard. Maybe we turn on the game. We just go about our life. The most life-changing event has happened in this world to these disciples. And what do they do? They, they just go fishing the next day. This isn't to imply that they are no longer believers. You, you see, they're still getting together. They're still, they're still with their church. They're still together. They're still believers. And it doesn't imply that they've just gone back to their old lifestyle. What have they done to change? They're right back where they started when Jesus found them. They're not out there doing what Jesus has asked them to do. Though Jesus told them to go and tell this world that they can give someone eternal life by proclaiming this message. And how John has done all throughout this book, he loves to, he loves to use this idea of light and darkness. And every time something's at night or in the darkness, it usually lets us know that something's not right. And when it's in the day, that's when Jesus is there. And so what's going on? They're fishing and they're fishing at night. And what have they caught? They've caught nothing. They're living their life incredibly fruitlessly, right? They've got nothing. But morning's coming. And in verse 4 it says, Early in the morning Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you caught any fish? No, they answered. All night long they're out there and they're fishing and they see somebody out on the shore. And, and I was last, uh, yesterday I was over at my family's farm in Timpson, Texas, and I saw the kids fishing way down there. And sometimes I remember going down there and, and off on the shore and you, you yell out, Have you got anything? But Jesus says it in a way that's a little bit more, he, he knew what was going on. And he says, haven't you got any fish? Knowing they haven't caught any fish. When I think about that, I think about uh, my first year that I was here at Chandler Street about 15 years ago. And it was the first time I was really trying to drive that, uh, that trailer. I was trying to back the trailer in over there. And I had never had much experience backing a trailer up and there's a gentleman in our congregation. He's no longer here. Um, he's gone on to be with the Lord. But he said, uh, he says, don't you know how to back up a trailer? As I'm backing up, wrong, 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 wrong. I've since learned how to back up a trailer. But he made sure I, I kind of knew. Uh, I'm not doing it right. And I think this is what Jesus is saying. Haven't you caught any fish? Are you doing it right? Are you doing what I've told you to do? Is what's going on in your life working for you? When he knows the answer is no, it's not. It's not working for him. And so in verse 6 he says, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. 
When they did this, they were, uh, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Throw your net on the right side of the boat. What's Jesus telling them? Change what you're doing. How about you switch around what you're doing? How about you change it? Go to the right side. This isn't what I told you to do. I didn't tell you to go up and go fish. I told you to go and fish for men. This is what Jesus told them long ago when he first met them. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, he says, he called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. So often we've been given this message from God. Each Sunday we might come here to, to church, each, each time we open our Bible, each time that, that, we, that we pray to God, and He gives us this mission in our life. And all of us have a little bit different mission. All of us are, are, are called to do it in maybe a little bit different of a way. But He wants us to do it how He's asked us to. And when we listen to Jesus, what happens? The net is filled up. So much so that they can't haul it in. And then in verse 7 it says, The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his garment around him, for he had taken it off and he jumped into the water and the other disciple followed in the boat the other disciples followed in the boat towing the net full of fish for they were not far from shore about a hundred yards when they landed they saw a fire burning on coals there was fish on it and some bread so what happens when they see that they realize exactly what has gone on it's Jesus that's standing on the shore and they get excited, and you love to see Peter's excitement. Peter gets so excited, he just wants to be with the Lord that he, he takes his, his tunic, he ties it around his waist, and he jumps in the water, and he just starts swimming to the shore. He wants to see his Lord. He wants to see his Savior. He's so excited. He gets out there. The interesting thing is, it doesn't look like he beats the boat by any means. The boat's following behind and he's swimming. Maybe, he's, maybe it's a little hard to, to in, the, in the waves or whatever's going on. He finally gets to the shore and what does Jesus tell him? Jesus looks at him and says, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back to the boat and dragged the net ashore and it was filled with large fish, 153 of them. But even with so many, the net was not torn. So Jesus gets, or Peter gets to the shore and he's probably sopping wet and wants to give Jesus a hug. And when I see this happen, I kind of think about when mom comes home and brings the groceries home and all the kids try to go sort through the groceries, see what, see what she got at the grocery store. And mom says, first go and get the rest of the groceries, right? Go help with the groceries. Go bring everything else inside. That's at least what happened in our, our family and, and probably still happens now. Jesus tells Peter, go and help with the fish. And I think at this time, maybe all the disciples are possibly putting two and two together. Jesus has given them this great commission. He's given them this ability to go out and tell the world 
how they can be forgiven of their sins, how they can find eternal life in Him, how they can tell others about this. And they've gone fishing. They haven't quite lived up to what they were supposed to do. And sometimes maybe that's how we feel is, is maybe we're not quite living up to what we're supposed to be doing. Maybe our hearts start sinking a little bit thinking, what's he about to say to us? Are we about to be reprimanded? Is he going to tear into us? And I love this story because it really shows how loving of a Savior we have. Jesus says to them in verse 12, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask, Who are you? They knew who it was. They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they're waiting for a reprimand from their teacher, their Lord, their Savior, he's inviting them in for breakfast. So often in this, in this uh, time that they've spent with Jesus, he has served them. He washed their feet, if we remember back in, 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 in several weeks ago. He's washing their feet before he goes and pays the ultimate price. We have a Lord that wants to serve us. Now he also gives us commands. He also tells us what to do. And he told them to go and put their nets on the right side. And they, they did that. They listened to him. We don't have a Savior that just goes and tells us what to do all the time. We have a Savior that loves us. A Savior that serves us. A Savior that was willing to die for us. And that's a Savior we should be ready to make our Lord. To listen to His commands because His commands provide abundance in our life. So often that's what John is talking about in these scriptures. He tells over and over again about Jesus providing abundance to them. When the wine runs out at, at the party in, in Cana and he says and he brings more wine to them so that they have the best wine at the end. He gives them this abundance whenever there's 5,000 hungry people in the countryside and Jesus feeds them and gives them, gives them more than enough. Baskets left with tons of leftovers from a few small fish and a few loaves of bread. He provides abundance. He gives us commands. He tells us how to live our life, but He does this so that we can live in His abundance, that we can serve us. This is the God we have. This is the God we serve. The God that loves us, that serves us, that wants to dine with us, have breakfast with us. And a familiar thing kind of happens as they're sitting at the end of the breakfast. We know Peter jumped in the water and it's early in the morning and if you've ever jumped in the water and, and it's been early in the morning, you probably realize that you get a little cold. And Jesus has already made this fire and I could imagine Peter is warming himself by the fire. And the last time in Scripture we saw Peter warming himself by the fire 
It was a couple weeks ago. And Peter is outside of the courtyard of the high priest. Jesus is being interrogated. Jesus is being beaten. And Peter is being asked if he knows who Jesus is. As he's warming himself by the fire, he's asked if he, know, if, if he is one of Jesus' followers. In Luke chapter 22, verse 59, it says, About an hour later, someone else insisted, This must be one of them because he is Galilean too. But Peter said, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. And at that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. Luke captures the fact that Jesus looks at Peter after he denies him for the third time. As he's warming himself by the fire and he denies him for the third time, and now they've looked at each other again. Once again, Peter's warming himself by the fire after breakfast, and Jesus looks at him and knows that Peter is a broken man. He loves his Lord, but how is he going to lead his church? How is he going to do what God's made him to do? How has he done it? Because he's failed his Lord. And how often have we done that? How many times have we failed our God? How many times have we tried to not sin, but we go back and we fall into that same sin that we've been struggling with our whole life? And what's our God going to do about that? What's our Lord do about that? Are we failures? Can we no longer serve in God's church? Well, Jesus looks at Peter and in John chapter 21, verse 15, he says, when they are finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And, 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 and we're left to kind of wonder, what is Jesus saying? What are these? And maybe Jesus is pointing at the nets and the, and the fish, and, and Jesus is saying, Simon, Son of, son of John, do you love me more than these nets? Do you love me more than this fishing equipment? Do you love me more than all this? Are you ready to live your life for me? Do you truly love me? Maybe it's something a little deeper. Maybe Jesus saying, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these guys love me? They're all sitting around together at breakfast. And Peter's made some pretty big boasts in his life he's told jesus some some pretty big things and in mark chapter 14 verse 29 he's he declared even if all fall away i will not we know that didn't happen right in luke chapter 22 verse 33 peter replies lord i'm ready to go to you go with you to prison and to death and yet it was just two weeks ago, that he's denying him. How can Peter be a leader in the Lord's church? How can he be an elder in the Lord's church if he's going to deny him? Peter, do you love me more than these? I think right here we have the great physician 
that's going to have to do some very painful but very needed surgery on Peter's heart. Maybe he needs to help him learn to humble himself. Maybe he needs him to realize that sometimes he's going to mess up. But his Lord still loves him. And Peter says in verse 15, Yes, Lord, you said you... Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus says, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answers, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, take care of my sheep. The third time he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Matter of fact, what happens here is, is Peter actually switches the word, for, uh, you know, you know I love you. And that word in the Greek is, is ido. It just means, you know this, you, you should know that I love you. But then at the end, the third time he asks him, he switches from ido to enosko, which is a much more intimate no. It means you know deep in my heart. And basically what Peter is saying, Lord, you've got to know, you've got to be able to search my heart. You've got to be able to see that I love you. And he's saying this because he knows that he's failed, but he wants Jesus to see deep within his heart that he truly loves him. And I like this because Jesus can see so deep within our heart can truly know if we truly love Him, if we, if we truly want to do what's right, even when we fail sometimes. And that's what Peter wants him to do, wants, wants Jesus to see that He loves him. And what does Jesus say? Feed my sheep. I love that for every time that Peter outwardly denied the Savior, Jesus is affirming Peter. Jesus is once again installing Peter to where he needs to be. Once again, he's not just putting Peter on probation and saying, all right, you need to work on this. He is putting Peter back in this position to be a leader in the Lord's church, to go on and spread the news, to go on and start this commission, not to be a fisherman once again, but to bring others to Christ. To let them know that it's okay because you can find forgiveness of your sins. That's why Jesus went to the cross. And the beautiful thing here is John even gives us this, this imagery that Peter still isn't going to be perfect. Jesus tells him that you're going to live a tough life to, to, to feed my sheep. You're going to, it's going to be tough for you. And Peter starts looking around and now they're walking on the beach and behind them John is walking and he looks behind him and he says, well, what about that guy? What about John? Is he going to have a tough time too? That's really what he's, he's wondering. And so many times that's what we do is, why do I have a tougher time than these other people? Why is my, why is, why, why is my mission for God a little bit tougher or different or whatever the case might be. 
And I like how Jesus answers him. In, in verse 20, it says, Peter turns and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. And Peter asks him, Lord, what about them? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. However, God has blessed you with all the different skills that God's given you, with all the talents that God's given you, with your personality, with the people that you've been placed around, how are you going to serve our Lord? How you serve Him might look different to me, but we all need to serve our Lord. And some of us are going to have harder roads to follow in this world. Matter of fact, what Jesus tells Peter is, in verse 18, very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands. And I think as he does this, I can see Jesus stretch out his hands. And what does he see? Peter once again sees the nails and the scars in Jesus's hands. And this is what what Jesus is making sure that Peter understands that someone will, will stretch out your hands and someone will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus says this to indicate the kind of death which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. What we're seeing here is, are you ready to make Jesus the Lord of your life? When Peter was young, he went where he wanted. He dressed himself. He did what he wanted to do. But now if you really want eternal life, if you want forgiveness of your sins, if you want to leave, live the life that you were created to live, you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Sometimes that means that you're going to be going where you don't always want to go. Doing what maybe you don't always think that you want to do but you're doing it because you're doing what god has created you to do and so i think we can all ask ourselves this question the same three questions that jesus asked peter jesus says to us do you love me do you love jesus and if the answer is yes i think he would tell us reach out to your family Reach out to those who you work with, those at your school, those in your community, and tell them the good news. Tell them they can find salvation through Him. Do we love Jesus? Open our eyes and see who's hurt. See who's in need. Do we love Jesus? Go out into this world. Go out into this neighborhood. Go out here and tell others about Him. Make Him Lord of your life. Follow Him. If you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, you can be baptized into Him. And just as Jesus was risen from the, from the tomb, you too can be risen from the grave and you can live eternal life in Him. Or maybe you've just gone fishing and you need to turn back to Him and you need to put your net on the right side. 